0: I'm not sure, um, Glenridge, if you know what you've got with Stan and Heather. Man, they are such a gift Uh, all over the place. To us, to Lulz and I, they have been there for us in in moments where, boy, they've just been a gift from the Lord. And so we just want to honor your leaders here this morning, and uh, Stan and Heather, thank you for uh, the privilege of just being a part of this this morning. It really is such a privilege for us, and to the eldership here, thank you. And uh, I... I'd like you just to turn in your Bibles um, to Revelation chapter 5, and um, I was sitting on holiday just, uh, just before New Year's, and, um, and I just felt the Lord drop in my quiet time some things as I was just reading this in my quiet time, and I felt like Him say, this was for you. So anyway, here we go. But I, I remember the first time that um, I took a hike up the Drakensberg to the top, right to the top. It was up Grey's Pass, I'm not sure, if some of you may have done Gray's Pass, and uh, it's kind of just face-to-face with a kilometer of just sheer cliff face, it's, it's really quite something to behold. Just the awe and the majesty of the Drakensberg Mountains, uh, the storm swirling in and out, I remember that day the gliders had come in from escorts and they were on the thermals there in the berg and at first they were above us, swirling above us, sitting on the thermals and then as we climbed higher we felt like we were like eye level with them looking at the pilots and then the next thing we were looking down on them and uh, remember it so clearly and just the beautiful deep cut valleys that uh, stretched out to the, the warm plains around escort. And I remember suddenly realizing how small I am. This realization hit me of like, oh, my life is so small, it could end in a moment. Just one trip, one fall, and I'm done. And I, and I remember kind of just leaning for a song, and, and the song that I got was, My Jesus, My Savior, Lord, There's None Like You, Mountains Bow Down. And the seas will roar just at the sound of your name. And I just sang this song as I was climbing the berg and just realizing, Lord, these mountains are huge. I'm so small. You know, there's this kind of illusion when I'm at home where I feel like I'm in control. I feel like I'm quite powerful. And then the moment hits me that, no, I'm like nothing. I'm like grass. Remember, just worshiping. And the Bible is so full of these wonderful moments of exciting encounters of men meeting face to face with the Almighty. And it's like that moment of, I mean, it's so cool because many times the first words that the angel of the Lord would have to say is, you know, to these frightened earthlings is, don't be afraid. I'm not going to kill you. They suddenly realize we are nothing. You know, our, our lives are, we, we arrive and as babies and we are needing to be held and looked after and when we leave, we're also like that. We're needing a lot of help and we're needing to be looked after. And then there's kind of this in-between phase that many of us are in where we actually feel like we're kind of powerful. But it's just, I think, a little bit more of an illusion actually. And there are these moments where they come face to face with God Almighty and just everything changes. They just see clearly. We're not in control. We are not God. And, and I just think for Moses, Daniel, Ezekiel, Isaiah, and John here in Revelation, they didn't just meet the Lord in a burning bush or, or on the earth or those who met with Jesus as he walked the planet, but, but they saw him high and lifted up on the throne. I mean, that must be a whole nother thing to see God surrounded by a million angels just attending him bringing glory the clarity of heaven and uh, this morning I just want to look at John's revelation of the Lord in, in uh, Revelation 5 and so verse 1 then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne chapter 4 he's described seeing God Almighty on the throne But suddenly now his attention draws and he says, I saw in the right hand of the Father, of the Lord Almighty, who sat on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides of the scroll and sealed with seven seals. So in the right hand of God Almighty, the Father, seated on the throne, the great seat of majesty, the the great seat of glory, the one true sovereign over every king, every power, Ruling over all, and in his right hand is a scroll sealed with seven seals. Now, what is the scroll? I mean, if we carry on reading the story in Revelation, we realize that it's it's the wrapping up of Earth's history, it's the it's the tying up of the loose ends in the story, it's the rest of the story, it's the wrapping up of our history, it's the true and right judgment of God Almighty. If you, if you watch movies, and I enjoy watching movies, it's like it gets to a stage in the movie where there's some loose ends. And the movie, the, the credits can't roll until we tie up those loose ends. You know what I'm talking about? Except, I mean, I know there's some weird, like kind of arty films where they don't tie up the loose ends. To me, that's a bit stupid. I want the loose ends tied up. And there's something inside our hearts that want everything wrapped up and in the scroll are all the loose ends and God's plan to tie them all up sort them all out. For one, when the son of God came to this earth, he was not recognized by many. He was rejected, he was scorned, he was mocked, he was killed that is a major loose end I would say that is the major loose end that is the greatest injustice in all of history that the son of God who created everything that has created who sustains everything that 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 is living and breathing and moving has its being in him was rejected mocked and killed that is the greatest injustice on the planet and the fact that people are still rejecting him is a major loose end that is in the scroll that's going to be tied up I was just reading this week and, um, in John 16 and, and Jesus said I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit and he's gonna convict the world concerning sin righteousness and judgment sin because the world didn't believe me that is sin that the this great injustice and the Holy Spirit is going to be doing a work and, and righteousness because There's going to be a a tying up of this loose end because even though the world didn't recognize who I was, I go to the Father, to the right hand of the Father, and I sit on the throne. And judgment because the ruler of this world will be judged. There's major justice coming written in this scroll. The abusers of this planet are going to be brought to book. They are going to be treated so fairly. The rich who have withheld wages... Of the laborers will be brought to book. The world's leaders who have played with the masses, gone for war with their own ego and greed and and power mongering will be brought to book on that day. They seem so powerful now, but they will seem like nothing on that day. They will face reality. It's in the scroll. It's in the book. The stealing, the liars, the murderers will be brought to book. Those who mock God. But not only that, but truth will be reestablished. Not my truth, the truth, the truth, the sacredness of gender, race, marriage. When we carry on reading Revelation and what's happening in the scroll, it ends with the great wedding. As more and more marriages kind of let's just make it what we want to make it in the scroll it will be brought back to what it was intended Christ and his church all marriages are actually supposed to be a shadow of the real Christ and the church and the blessing comes into marriage the more we represent Christ and the church The the, the more the wives represent the role of the church and the more the husbands lay down their lives for their wives. I mean, I just, I mean, I say that because, I mean, oh my goodness, Lauren's here, I can't lie, I can't pretend, I'm not getting that right. But the more we move into that, the more our marriages get the blessing. But anyway, we're going off a sidetrack here. In the scroll, there will be vindication, wrongs will be made right. And there will also be vengeance. God says, vengeance, don't take vengeance, it is mine. And in the scroll, it, it rocks me a little bit. It's kind of like I see Job like, getting caught up by these big moments. And at the end of the story of Job, God doesn't come and apologize to Job. Job, you know what i meant to do, and it didn't quite work out. There's no apology. It's just Job, do you know who you're standing in front of? Where were you? when the earth was formed? Where were you when dinosaurs were made and the elephants were brought into being? Who are you? Job just has to end, Lord, my ears had heard, but my eyes have seen. When I read the book of Revelation, to me it's a little bit like, like Job. You're just before Almighty God, and I, I have questions, and, and but who am I? What do I see? And it's so amazing, because when we, when we read through Revelation, and when it gets hectic, I mean, Who knows what I'm talking about? It gets hectic in there, right? But there's never a point in heaven where one of the angels are saying, wow, I think think this is a little bit more, you know, the Lord's bitten off a little bit more than he can chew here. I think it's, you know, he meant to do this, but actually it's, it's a little bit out of control. There's not a moment. There's crazy stuff going on, but every moment in heaven is, wow salvation belongs to our god holy 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 he is doing all things well there's no mistakes there's no mess ups he's doing it all well he will rescue his saints it's in the scroll he will avenge the martyrs he'll bring justice there's going to be this wedding feast there's going to be a welcoming home there's gonna be this final rescue there's gonna be one massive feast one massive celebration revelation chapter 1 verse 7 look he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him even those who pierced him and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him so shall it be amen You know, I think I mean forgive me I'm a, I grew up on a farm so I liked westerns I I'm not sure any Western fans yes I mean I love the the cowboy movies and and all of that and and so many of those movies kind of get to a moment where you know the cowboy's sitting in a pot and it's warming up over the fire and it's starting to boil up and he's being cooked and he's tied to a pole and he's scanning the horizon for the cavalry to rescue him and at the last moment they come riding over the hill the dust cloud and they get rescued right that's a good movie in my books right friends in the scroll this is the story there's moments on earth when it looks like it's done we're in trouble but friends it doesn't matter if you're in the hot water and it's boiling and you are tied to that pole you just keep scanning the horizon or the clouds you keep waiting for your rescuer because he is so good at arriving at the last moment and bringing victory and bringing salvation salvation belongs to our god I mean, I just think of Prince Caspian, if you, if you like, C.S. Lewis, and it's, it looks like they're done for when little Lucy runs and she finds Aslan the lion, and at the last moment, he comes running in, and there's a great victory. Friends, the future in the scroll has been orchestrated beautifully. It's been written like a perfect score with every detail, every part written, leading up to the wonderful crescendo of Christ's return that we sang about this morning. The future has been perfectly designed and architected. It's in the hand of who? The right hand of Almighty God. Friends, it's not chaos. It's perfectly ordered. You know, Daniel talks about, he sees this picture of the waves rising and falling, the undercurrents, and, and out of this, this beast coming out. You know, it's such a picture of earth and humanity and the pushing and the pulling. The chaos, the rebellion of man, of the world, the sin, the striving, the greed, the unrelenting, just pushing and pulling. Every new wave and fashion and fad and every new wisdom and my truth. And it's contrasted wonderfully against heaven here where below the throne is what looks like a sea of glass. Stan and I were talking yesterday, saying it's not known. Is it crystal or is it actually the sea that is so perfectly calm because there are no undercurrents? It is perfect peace. It's a kingdom of peace. Perfect order. You see, Revelation and uh, the scroll, it can seem like chaos. Why I'm sharing this message is when we look in Durban in the last few years, it can look like there's a bit of chaos going on. KZN. South Africa, Eskimo, this, that, 12th of July, COVID, the world, Ukraine. It looks like chaos. And we, and, we, and we hear people saying, like getting scared. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. But in the scroll and we read about in Revelation, there's, there's even crazier stuff that happens here. But it's in the right hand of our Father. It's not chaos. You know, Revelation to me seemed like chaos. When I first read it, it scared me. But you know, it's not chaos. Do you know there's seven parts to Revelation, which is God's number, perfect order, the number of perfect order, seven. There are seven parts to Revelation. The first part is to the seven churches. Uh, Each letter to each of those seven churches is broken down into seven parts. There's seven things he addresses each of the seven churches with. Then there are the seven seals. Then there's the seven trumpets. Then there's the child and the dragon. Fifthly, there's the seven bowls. Then sixthly, there's the seven judgments. And finally, number seven, there are the seven messages of triumph. It might seem like chaos, friends, but it's not. It's perfectly ordered and it's in the the hands of our Father, Abba. Friends... I want to encourage us. we got to be seeing the truth. We can't just look with human eyes, with the eyes of our culture, with the eyes that our friends are looking at. We see something different. We have to have the revelation of God Almighty on the throne, the Father on the throne, with history in His hand. Man, I, I just had such a wonderful time going through preaching through Daniel together with our elders. And the thing that hit me about Daniel is that there's, there's quite a few different leaders. They come and they fall. And if you read history, some of those leaders killed that leader. It, it was wild. But God's child, Daniel, kept landing on his feet. God knows how to look after his own. He kept giving them favor. And when we read Daniel, it's amazing, even with the dreams God gave Daniel, is that what we realize is that God is king, and he's doing the kingly things. He's lifting governments, and he's bringing them down. He's lifting up the humble, and he's bringing the proud down. And he knows how to look after his own. I love what Peter says. Peter says, if, if the Lord knows how to rescue Lot from Sodom and Gomorrah, and surely he knows how to look after us. Friends, where are your eyes? What are you seeing? Experts are calling out chaos, but friends, we get to have a different view. We get to see God Almighty with a throne in his hand verse 2 to 4 I mean you can be worried we've only got through verse 1 and we've got a few minutes left but we'll we'll be okay and I saw the mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice who is worthy to break open the scroll but no one in heaven on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it and I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside and so John Uh, he hears that no one is putting up their hand to open the scroll. No one is worthy. And so everything we're talking about, the wrapping up of history, cannot happen. And so he cries because with that, the hope of the church is snuffed out. There's no justice. No social justice. No any justice. There's no final salvation. Christ will not be vindicated. Then he suffered for what? If no one opens the scroll. And he weeps, but in uh, verse 5, then one of the elders came to me and said, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, this is Jesus, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. I love that in heaven a moment was given to let this truth sink in that only Jesus can open this they allowed like anyone else to put up their hand like that moment in a wedding you know where the minister drags it out you know if there's any anyone knows any reason why this should not happen today and there's this moment given and it seems like the first moment that they notice Jesus that John sees Jesus I love it he says the lion of the tribe of Judah you know a lion It's amazing. A lion is at home in a fight. Friends, in days when there's war and stuff going on, we need to have revelation of our God as the lion of the tribe of Judah. A lion doesn't run from a fight. It runs into a fight. If you just um, just imagine a moment for me. Have you seen a lion running at you? But if you can just imagine a, a lion resting, camouflaged in the dappled shade of an acacia to suddenly being up and on the move in full flight in split seconds. Those steely eyes, focused, fixed, completely still, not bobbing up and down, yet his mane is alive like wind through wheat as his paws kick up a dust storm. The lion is on the move. That's our king. He's not afraid of a fight. The root of David has conquered. He's our champion, our victorious one. He has prevailed so that he can wrap up history. Can I get an amen this morning? And verse 6 Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Between the throne, Four living creatures on the center of this throne the 24 elders in the crowds. I saw the lamb standing as though it had been slain I love what Charles Spurgeon says he says About the scripture. He says it's by weeping eyes that the lamb of God is best seen Suddenly when John's weeping suddenly he recognizes there's the lamb. there he is friends Isn't it so true? It's in our moment of desperation that we see clearly there's the lamb of God some of us haven't seen him because we haven't got desperate we haven't realized our absolute need that there's no hope for us and in that moment of realizing no hope isn't it amazing because the lamb shows himself to us when there's no one to come through for us our last flicker of hope has been snuffed out when we are done who would show up? the lamb of God I love it what Paul says you know when I do what I don't want to do and when I don't do what I want to do who will rescue me? What a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then he appears. Maybe marriages. You just can't seem to find each other. The more we try and fix our relationship, the more hurt we we get, and the more we hurt each other, and the more of a mess. And, and, and it seems like it's over. Is this the end? Is this the end? Friends, it feels like the end of a marriage is the perfect time to see the lamb. Through tears, we best see the lamb. In our finances, with our kids, longing to see them serve God and just seeing them potentially just seemingly lost to the world. When it seems like the end, the lamb is so good. When we're in the pot, back to my cowboy story cavalry comes over the hill I just find it amazing that Jesus doesn't reveal himself as the lion or was the king on the throne or the Son of Man but he's shown himself revealed himself as the lamb that was slain friends we don't graduate from the cross and his resurrection Jesus is glorying in the fact and heaven is glorying in the fact almighty God son of God laid down his life and died for us like a lamb (laughs) they know he's the powerful lion had the form of God and yet he would be a lamb (laughs) so that we would be welcomed home and have a place at his table isn't that incredible I mean just I just my imagination again heavens massive powerful warriors armed and dangerous fully devoted to their king the commander of heaven's armies And and what self-restraint they must have shown when He was on the cross. Like at a moment, they would have come, sorted out humanity and rescued Him. But they had to just watch. They glory in Him that He is the Lamb that was slain. John can be in that moment in the throne room without being obliterated. We have a future in that throne room without being obliterated because... The Son of God would lay aside His Majesty and be a lamb that was slain. And I just want to end with with this last point. It just said He has seven eyes, friends. It sounds a little bit weird and fantastic to us. We used to two, two kind of seems normal, but I think we'll get used to a new normal. Jesus has perfect sight. He sees completely. When he executes judgment, it's not, no, he, he said, she said, and okay, let's just try and find a compromise. I don't know who to believe. They both sound like they're telling the truth. One of them's obviously lying, and let's just try and make the best decision. No. When he makes a judgment, when he makes a call, he knows. He didn't just see it, but he saw the heart. He saw the motive. He saw what we don't even see in ourselves. He has perfect sight. Seven. Perfection. Seven eyes. He sees it all. He sees every detail, every sparrow falling, every hair on your head. I know. For some of us, it might be a little bit harder than fire this. He sees the motive of your heart, of my heart. He saw David's heart, friends. He sees trajectory. I enjoy playing cricket, and it takes two eyes to work out trajectory of where a ball's going. He has perfect sight, seven eyes. He sees the trajectory of your life, where you're going now, when he speaks something, it might be because he wants to change that trajectory. He sees where history is going, where it's wrapping up. He can already see the end before it's happened. And I just think of... I think of um, in Revelation 1, it describes the Son of Man, Jesus again, with eyes of fire. These eyes are consuming fire. They see everything. They burn up the nonsense, and they see the motive. They see everything. There's nothing hidden from Him. I love the story of Hagar, Abraham, and, and Sarah's servant where she has this revelation where it looks like it's the end once again. There's no water. Her son's going to die. Leave him under the tree. I don't want to watch him die. And guess who comes riding? The cavalry comes riding again. And the Lord shows her water. And her response, you are the God who sees. Friends, he's the God who sees. I love that song. In a crowd of 10,000, you don't miss a thing. You see everything he sees you friends he sees the depths of your heart he still wants you he died for you he loves you I remember some years ago seeing Mr. Mandel here on a drive to a meeting with you guys where there was a worship evening and I was involved in this worship evening but I was upset with where I was at with my life I felt the call of the Lord and felt like nothing was happening in fact I felt Like I'd been dishonored and I was so upset uh, with how things were going. And I was driving with a mature believer, a friend, and I was complaining to him. And I was saying, what's the point of giving my life to Jesus and going full on when this keeps happening, that keeps happening, and that keeps happening? I had my three complaints. What's the point of giving everything I have and just keep on year after year and just nothing happens except for these three things, which are horrible? And my friend was mature enough to say, "Don't worry, stay the course. The Lord's got you." But when we got to that meeting and we started worshiping, someone came and took the mark and said, "You say, what's the point of serving me? When this happens, that happens and that happens. But I say, you are my treasured possession." The situation didn't change, but everything changed. He's the God who sees. friends I trusting we just see a little bit more of him today and that we are people who are not afraid of where history is going because it's in the hand of our father who loves us who loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us and he's handed that scroll we haven't got there into the the hand of his son the lamb who's worthy to unwrap it and to, to bring it all about to rescue his own to look after his own And so, friends, I think we can live our lives boldly in this day and age. It doesn't matter what things are happening, and we can give our lives fully to what the Lamb of God gave His life for. The Moravians used to sell themselves into slavery to take the gospel to the slaves. And as they waved goodbye to their friends and family, never to see them again, and the ship would leave, they would would say out, May the Lamb receive the reward of His suffering. Friends, I want to encourage us to give your life to the only thing that will last, the only thing that counts, the only thing that won't be destroyed at the end of the day, His kingdom. Give yourself to His purpose and do it boldly. He knows how to look after His own.